This is iFanboy Special Edition Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Fanboy show Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. And I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And special Spider commentator guest Ryan Haupt. Hola. And we're here to talk about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, Sony's first animated spider feature. Spider hyphen feature. Spider hyphen feature. <laughs> this is a big deal because it stars Miles Morales, the Spider-Man of the ult- what was it the Ultimate Spider-Man? I I've, I've forgotten. It's been so long. He was the ultimate Spider-Man. I don't remember Spider-Man. what the Ultimate Universe's number was, but it was the Spider-Man of the Ultimate Universe. That's right. He took over when Peter Parker died. Right. A lot of people wanted him to be the live-action star. That was never going to happen, but he, they got an animated film in which many different Spider-Men and women from across the multiverse and our childhoods come together in a feature film. Here's your spoiler warning. There'll be spoilers. We'll discuss the movie. If you haven't seen it yet, you don't want to get ruined because there are some good twists and gags that you won't want to have spoiled for you. I guess we'll just jump right into it. This was produced by the guys, and I was, I didn't do a lot of research going into this. I didn't look up casts and crews. I'm glad I didn't look up the cast, because it was nice. Some of, them, some of them were nice surprises. But I was under the impression that the guys behind the Lego film wrote and directed it, but they only produced it and co-wrote it. One co-wrote it, yes. Yeah, one of them. The directors were Bob Pershidi, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman, who I don't know. And Phil Lord co-wrote it with Rodney Rothman. And so that was interesting to find out at the end. I thought they had done the whole movie, but they didn't. So what do we think? I have a double-sided review. Mm. I really enjoyed myself a lot. And for a very long portion of it, I was like, this is amazing. Was it spectacular? No. Was it web of? We can get into this in a little bit, but I thought one thing that it did was it used the comic book idiom in a way that I've never seen a film do that before. Yes. Where I think that the regular Avengers movies and things, because I've watched Infinity War a couple of times recently, and during the scenes I, quote, marveled at sort of how they brought those things to life. And I thought, oh, this is really like the culmination of the kind of thing that we've wanted to see forever. But then when I was watching this movie, I said, oh, they went and they, they brought a comic book to, it was almost like they brought a movie to a comic book rather than the other way around, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I've said for years on our various shows, I don't remember which ones exactly, and I know this is a slightly controversial opinion for people who are probably listening, and, and it's fine. When done accurately and correctly and well, animation, I think, is the best medium for superheroes. I can see that. Because there is a life and a movement to the characters that you can't get in the page, and when they translate it properly... It all works. You don't get the live action thing where people look kind of silly in their costumes and they can't quite move right. Right. And they have to take their masks off when they don't, or just whatever. Right. So here you get the full on effect of the page, but you get it in glorious motion and you get action in a way you can't get in the page. I think I started thinking about this when Spectacular Spider-Man came out and I, was, I really enjoyed that and I wasn't enjoying the Spider-Man cartoons. And I sort of, as we've been doing all these animation shows, Ryan and I and Paul... It's sort of cemented him when it's done, and it's not always done really well, and it's and it's yeah. a hard thing to do. But when when you get a film in terms of the visuals like this, it really does, I think, to me, cement this is this is kind of the best way to watch Spider-Man. I think. Well, yeah, and and the, and the animation was such that like 
there were things that were done in the movement, say in that super collider chamber, mm-hmm. where I was like, wow, they've never done this with uh, either live action or CGI that's supposed to look like live action. Mm-hmm. I guess because yeah. it, you're right, like you get to take that stylistic thing that is great about comic book art and and really translate it to something that gives it verve. And then at the same time, they went and they used like you know the the word balloons and the mm-hmm. and the and the caption Sound boxes and, and stuff. Yeah, the sound effect, like, they brought the the comic book idiom to life in a way that I haven't seen, or at least one that wasn't done nearly as well. And if you look at this compared to a lot of those DC things that you guys always talk about, those movies seem like they're trying to make animation look like one of the real-life movies. And this was like, no, no, we're going to make a comic book movie that looks like looks and feels and moves like a comic book. Like, it's like, it's like if motion comics didn't suck. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, wow. Bold, hot take, but yes. Yeah. Ryan, what did you think of the animation as my animation compatriot? I loved it. This was one of those where I was really excited going into it, and I watched maybe one too many previews, and then Sony pushed out a ton of previews this last week, and I just shut down, and I was like, nope, I'm saving it, I'm going to wait. And my wife has an illustration background, and so we went and saw this together because she was really excited for it too, and she was just positively giddy the entire time. I mean, the way that like each different universe had kind of its own color palette, the way the color palettes would interact with each other, or lack of a color palette in the case of <laughs> Spider-Man Noir, yeah, just the movement, and we saw this in 3D, which is normally not the, our preferred format for seeing Ugh. movies, but, oh, okay. No, no, I just mean that I was watching it last night, and at a certain point, I was like, all right, all right, slow down a little. And I thought, if I was watching this in 3D, I don't know that I could take it. And that's just, that's me more than, I don't like 3D movies in general, but I did think, oh, are they doing this in 3D? That must be a thing. So I guess you're saying it is a thing. Yes, it looked good in 3D. I don't know that it actually enhanced the experience, but there is something about Spider-Man where Spider-Man, unlike many other superheroes, depth of field, I feel like plays an important role in the way that he just moves around. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a Spider-Man more so than maybe any other superhero character works with a 3D movie better yeah, than most, I would say. I thought it was beautiful. I loved the style. I love that it, they tried to approximate the look of old print. There was some dot pitchy stuff mm-hmm. in there. There was print lines. It even looked a little bit hand-drawn in, in the way that they sh- shaded the characters. I mean, it was obviously a CGI film, yeah. but it didn't look like a CGI film you're used to. It looked like this strange hybrid. They never got away from the idea this could be hand-drawn. Like Josh said, approximating a comic book. I loved the way it looked. I was marveling at the visual aspect of it the entire time. Yeah, and in that way, there were a couple of scenes where I think it was like in in Aunt May's house. It looked like they were in a real room. Yeah. You know, it looked like real. And then there are other bits where it looked completely not like that. And and I don't. And it wasn't in a jarring way. It was just you know, which works because they had all the dimensions together. Yeah. Too. So it kind of you could you could slip around in those things depending on what the scene called for. Yeah. I like that. We open with Spider Man who meets his death at the hands of Kingpin, who's trying to open a super collider underneath Brooklyn, which is causing lots of earthquakes, which are disturbing Miles Morales' school. That just seems like bad planning. <laughs> even, <laughs> even as a supervillain, like, come on. There's a lot of empty land around New York City. And it's funny because, at, you know, you're getting into it, you're about five minutes in, and I was like, God, I mean, I know Jake Johnson's playing Peter Parker. He really sounds like Chris Pine, though. That's a r- weird choice <laughs> that Jake Johnson's making. And it turns out Peter Parker dies, and it's actually a, a blonde Peter Parker who is not the one we're used to from Miles' dimension, who is in fact voiced by Chris Pine. Then the Super Collider is enabled. It opens up a bunch of multiverses who have come colliding into Miles' universe, including our regular 616 Peter Parker, Peter B. Parker, who is now pushing 40, jaded, divorced from Mary Jane, overweight, 
uh, which I thought was a great choice to distinguish him. You know, you didn't get like two young, vibrant Spider-Men. You didn't, it didn't take away from Miles' ascension. It was a different kind of Peter Parker than we're ever used to seeing. And then also, in addition to him, we get Spider-Gwen, or she's Spider-Woman in this film, <laughs> Spider-Man Noir, and Spider-Ham, and then an anime one who's, I didn't, I didn't know what her name was. Penny Parker. Penny Parker. There well, Penny that was Parker. her real name, but I don't know what her her Spider-Man name was. And then they, of course, have to team up to fight Doc Ock and Kingpin to reignite the uh, Super Collider, get everyone back home, and blow it up and, and keep the multiverse safe. I loved John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. That was a nice surprise. I really loved Nick Cage's Spider-Man Noir for all the weird stuff that Nick Cage does. When he does stuff like this or Kick-Ass, he really nails it for me. I would have done a whole film with Spider-Man Noir. I think that was part of the strength of this was that you could have followed any of these characters off into their own worlds, and, and I would have found that interesting. Sure. Haley Steinfeld's Gwen Stacy was terrific. And the voice cast was really, really good. Marshall Ali as Uncle Aaron. Brian Tyree Henry was terrific as the unfortunately named Jefferson Davis. Lily Tomlin was Aunt yeah, May. they had a real chance there, by the way, to <laughs> fix something that was wrong, and they went right for it, and they named their black police officer Jefferson Davis. But they never said his name together, so you never got... I know. They, they called him Jeff, and his nameplate said Davis, which made me wonder, why is Miles' last name Morales? Yeah, I had that thought, too. You're right about all those things, but I think that the thing that stood out most about the voice cast, and as I was watching, these voices are great. I don't remember his name. The kid who was Miles Morales, though. Shameek Moore. Who was in Dope. Yes. And he also played Shaolin Fantastic in um, The Get Down, which mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that guy. His voice was so perfect yep because it was it was 100 a real new york city voice nobody in the world can fake that yeah it was a mix of black and latino and new york and instantly it put me in a place and realized and grounded that character 100 mm-hmm. the whole time i was like because you don't get something that authentic sounding and when i say authentic like I've been in New York City. I've heard that talk. Like you lived there. For you don't hear that anywhere else. Yeah. Like it's, and I thought that was great. That was just a, such a good choice. It was a top shelf voice cast. Yeah, to not like I was going to say whitewash it. That's not the word though, but to just sort of like homogenize it. Mm-hmm. I think, and because of that, the way that that character then moved and operated, he had a little more swagger than let's say the comic book one did, or at least that we saw in the comic book. But man, that sold it. I thought that also differentiated him from Peter Parker a lot more. Yeah. Which in the comic wasn't so obvious. He was just Peter Parker, but younger and who happened to be black and Latino. They tweaked the character a little bit. He is this really smart kid who goes to the special school, but he also is into art and he tags the subway and which is something as a, someone who grew up in New York city, I went to a school full of smart kids and I have, there was a lot of kids who tagged the subway that felt very relatable to me and real. These kids who are desperate for expression, desperate to get their, their art out and they go out and and tag up the city. That's, that's something that felt very real. Uh, so I like that bit of him, and the art came into it later in designing the suit and everything. Yeah, that to me was one of the smartest changes they made from what Bendis originally did, was how the black Miles Morales suit came about. Mm-hmm. I almost don't want to spoil that one, because it's so clever and, and such a subtle but smart shift on, on the part of the, the writers of the film. I yeah. thought he was just going to find one of those that yes. fit, like in the Lego Batman movie, but <laughs> making him do that like add his his mark Tag. to it yeah you know i thought it was correct yeah you know i only watched the first trailer so i didn't know what to expect going into it i knew it was a big spider verse film obviously i knew from the images all the characters were going to be there i didn't think it would be such a miles morales origin story I, I think the other characters don't show up till 
It feels like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. It could have been earlier. I just felt like it was halfway through. By the time they come in, he's a great character and you want to follow him more. So here's my kind of criticism. And I have some criticism, so that's fine. I think, this is my big one, and this is what I thought. When those other characters showed up, I lost a lot of momentum because I was like, this should just be a Miles Morales story. But if they had had the universe crossover and it was just Spider-Gwen and a Peter Parker, mm-hmm. I actually think it would have been a stronger story. And that isn't to say that those other characters weren't funny or entertaining, but it felt a, a little bit of a bridge too far to get some gags in. Mm-hmm. I was super into it before that happened, and I enjoyed it after that. But for a little while, I was like, "This is al- this is almost a perfect superhero movie," and, and it's totally subjective. But for me, like if they had just kept it sort of with the humans, the way that they would have pretty much done it in a comic book, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. if that they crossed over, you wouldn't have Peter Porker necessarily. It just changed the tone of things a little. Don't bit. be slandering Peter Porker. Uh, no, I. Yeah, Peter I th- Porker giving him his favorite cartoon hammer at the end wasn't. It was a great joke. Like like it was funny. John Mulaney is preternaturally humorous. Like mm-hmm. he, like I watch him. T- I don't, I'm not like a giant fan, but I can recognize, Oh, this is, this is an extremely funny human. Like this is a person that makes me think, Oh, I'm not funny at all. Cause <laughs> this person is so smart and he has a voice that lets him do it. And he's smug, but my God, I want to listen to what he says. All of that is true. But I, I think it would have felt more coherent if they had kept it a little straighter. My criticism. And I, I really liked the movie, but I didn't love it. And I think it's because I just wanted it to slow down. I wanted some more quiet moments. It's like once the story takes off, it doesn't stop until the end. That normally is a praise for some things. No, I don't mean it moved well. I, just, I mean, it was like running full speed for the entire movie. Yeah. I started getting like actively stressed out by the Prowler scenes. Because they just made, those were so intense. It was like the whole tone of the movie shifted to a horror movie every time yeah. the Prowler was out doing anything. You know what? That you're really right about that because I was watching the movie with an eye to take my kids to it this weekend, mm-hmm. and the prowler scenes. I was like, nope, can't do it. Uh, especially for like my four year old, they would have been, been great for the whole thing. But I got to that point, and I was like, that that's too scary. Like I'll have to wait and do it in the living room rather than a dark theater. Do you think the prowler looked like Spawn a little bit? Oh yeah. Okay. Does the prowler go back before Spawn or after? I don't know, but I thought it was interesting that the design looked very Spawn like. I did like a lot that. There were a bunch of villains. Mm-hmm. Some of them were sort of more traditional. Some weren't, but they really like had just a bunch of them. Like Tombstone was there, but they never really he talked didn't have much to, to him, do. Yeah. mentioned him. No, I know, but I like that he was just there in the yeah. background. And, well, and that's what you can like, do in animation, right? Is you, you can populate the world with these characters, and it doesn't mean you're going to spend a lot of money. It doesn't mean you have to get actors. You can have Tombstone. You can have Green Goblin. You can have Doc Ock and Kingpin. Catherine Hahn Doc Ock. She was really great, too. I was actually hoping... And I found myself thinking about the licensing in the middle of movies is how many people can we slam in here? You know, how many people can we have show up? So Scorpion's also there. And it's unfortunate that we can't only get the Spider-Man people because it would have been fun to see some of the other Marvel people in this, in this style. It felt like a fully realized, fully fleshed out Spider-Man world in a way I think the movies don't necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Because you can really go deep with these characters, you know. And Liev Schreiber's Kingpin, you know, this is massive beast of a, of a man with a weird neck problem. I kept wondering who that was. I was like... It sounds like James Caan, but not me. I didn't know who it was until the credits rolled. Yeah. Everyone else I mostly picked out. I went back and forth liking the Kingpin's design. Mm. And then at the end, I was like, why is he the most powerful character? Like, it yeah, Ju- <laughs> Julie at one point asked, like, does the Kingpin have powers? Like, how is he able to take on Spider-Man single-handed? He's all muscle. No, I get that. No, I know. It, it, it's a little bit of a leap. 
Yeah, I know he's all muscle, but it's the speed. Spider-Man's supposed to, yeah. With Spider-Sense and spider-like reflexes, I don't know that all muscle makes it so that the match is actually that even. I could let that go, but I thought. Yeah, Miles is new. True. Yeah, I said that to myself also. He's his first fight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, at one point when when he had gotten knocked down and everyone, like, you know, older Peter Parker was telling me to get up, Julie was like, this is just like Creed. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. Josh, it's an interesting thought that you had because I don't know if I thought it because I was looking forward to everyone showing up, but it was it was a really terrific Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy film and then a little bit of yeah. Peter Parker for a while. I loved the design of Spider-Man Noir. I loved his little brief backstory. I loved Ghost Cage's voice. I grew up reading Spider-Ham comics, so seeing Spider-Ham on screen was sort of a mind blower. And I know we've gotten really used to seeing all these people on screen, but I don't... I think that was another one. I was like, I can't, I can't believe I'm seeing a movie with Spider-Ham in it. Is Captain America going to show up? I liked that part of it, but I think you're right. If, if it had just been a Miles Morales movie with Gwen and Peter, it would have been a really interesting film. I also yeah. think something that struck me way. was that you know they have to get the different spider people back to their original Spider-Verse, otherwise they'll disintegrate. And they're not sure Miles is up for it, and so Peter from 616 is willing to stay behind and close the portal from the wrong side, and he'll eventually die because you know he doesn't have anything left for him in his home universe. And I thought, you know, I knew they would resolve that. Sure. That's how these movies work. But what's interesting to me is they didn't go out of their way to try to resolve anything about the Peter Parker of Miles's universe being killed. Like, he's just dead. Like, he's not That happened back. in the comics, too. I know, I know, but I thought it was a bold choice to keep it that way. Like, that to me is actually really sad. <laughs> like, it is. guy and, and who was Spider-Man for 10 years get beaten to death uh, in front of a kid. You're right, and they, they did the uh, episode four, A New Hope thing, where, like, it happened, and it was super sad, then everyone was fine. <laughs> like it was like they went to he went to the gravestone, they had a big fight there. It was never brought up as a sad thing again. Even when they went to Aunt May's house, she's like, yeah. I was waiting for you to show up. And I was like, maybe take some time, May. Are you a little more sad that your your surrogate son is dead? <laughs> like badly dead. Not just not just like, oh, it's tragic. He was like, no, it was a bad, it was a horrible death. But yeah, I mean that's the thing about the moving moving the movie forward quickly i think what did you guys think of this peter parker 616 peter parker i thought he was a terrific version of peter parker and i liked seeing an older what am i doing my life has been ruined by this sort of peter parker i know i know that's kind of a bummer but i I thought also then the arc of him by the end basically being peter parker spider-man again you know the full-on hero again i thought it was a nice arc and i thought jake johnson's portrayal was great I was a little worried that I'd only see Jake Johnson when I heard his voice, but I got over that. I thought I did a really good job. It's funny because we would complain about that in the comics. Like, mm-hmm. we wanted Peter Parker not married. We wanted right. him to move back, you know. But here, because you had a contrast with Miles Morales. And also, it's super meta because everybody we know in comics, everybody who, you know, this stuff came from, you know, is around this period in their life. Yeah. I mean, like, every so I know that, oh, this is everybody who makes comics speaking in, in a little bit of a way, which isn't uninteresting. It's just a thing I noted. But... I liked it. Like, I thought it was good. And you know what I, I got out of it was partially is that, like, I, lo- I love, 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 love. I love Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I love him in the movies. Yep. I think it's fantastic. I still think at this point, though, you know, Miles Morales is a really strong character. Yep. And I think it would have worked. I think it would have worked really well. Uh, and it still can. It's a thing they can still do. The thing we've always discussed and debated is I think Miles only works in contrast to Peter. Maybe. I don't think you can introduce Miles on his own. I think Miles has to come from Peter. I think it has to. I think the mantle has to be handed off to make it really work. I mean, you could do it, and it'd be probably be fine. But I think the best way he works is as someone who who is the second Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. 
He's in contrast. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. But I, what, my thinking about Jake Johnson's Spider-Man was one of the things I really liked that the movie did was how obviously the animation style is extremely different for Spider-Ham and Penny Parker anime Spider Robot and uh, Spider-Man Noir. But I also liked that they all kind of brought their own style in the way that those characters like moved around the world. So you know, with the the older Peter Parker, Jake Johnson you see a guy who is just casually really good at something he's been doing for 20 yes, years. Yes, I like that a lot. And I thought that worked really well in contrast to Miles figuring stuff out. So like when Peter is, you know, flipping things out of people's hands and ringing doorbells with his web shooters and stuff like that, I'm just like, I love, it's that West Wing competence porn where you're yep. just like, it's sometimes it's just fun to see somebody be really good at something. Yes. And even though he was out of shape and even though he was bitter about it, he was like he was still running rings around everyone because he's I'd kill to be that out of shape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I, I related it to guitar in a way because that's what I would do. But like when you're first trying to do it, it's super hard. But now there's bits that, you know, like I could just play the thing. It's not I don't have to think about it. I can do it. I don't know when I'm out of practice. I know when I can be better. But there. Yeah. That competence born, I think, is an excellent term, although also awful. <laughs> well, Welcome to 2018. <laughs> so the story's resolved. Miles moves on. I think you might get your wish, Josh, in that there's a lot of talk about them doing another one. And, and you'd think it would just be a Miles Morales movie. And, and obviously with a little bit of Gwen because she, she shows up at the end again. It's great. It's funny because all that stuff in the comics that we just wouldn't read. Yeah. Just didn't read it. I was like, it's all pretty good in here. <laughs> I, um, I did read the Miles Spider-Gwen crossover issues. I did too. That was good. Yeah. I remember. It was just really appealing. I thought it was really appealing. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. For all my complaints about the, the, the speed and the pacing of it, it was a lot of fun. And it was see, funny. The speed and the pacing for me just made me excited to, A, see this again, maybe even in theaters. And I'm very rarely a two-time-in-the-theater kind of guy. But also, like once this comes out on streaming, I'm really excited to be able to like pause and catch all the little things that I know I miss. Like Every time Miles opens his phone, every other person in his contact list who's not the person he's trying to call yeah. are were comic creators. I saw so, that. Bendis, Pichelli, Steve Ditko. Times Square had a lot of Easter eggs in it. There was a Clone High ad. There was a, a bunch of other things from previous projects and things like that. I have to mention this that, I don't know if it was a big moment, but a moment that, that stuck out to me um, is I was waiting for the Stan Lee cameo. Mm. Or I thought, are they going to do one? And when he showed up and he was talking, I started crying. <laughs> I was like, it was a really, really good one because for oh not just God. not just because he just passed, and I think it's the last one he did yeah. f specifically. I mean, there's a bunch in the can that they can use generically, but the message he's delivering, which is the message that anyone can be Spider-Man, which is the thing that you know he's talked about for years. Don't worry, the mask always fits. The mask can be anyone. And then there's a great quote from him at the end and thanking him and Steve Ditko. Yep, I thought that was nice. It was a really sweet cameo. It worked really well. It wasn't. It wasn't jokey. It wasn't. You know. It wasn't like yeah, uh, here's Stan. It was. It was actually really. It was heartfelt. a little joke at the end, which I was like, there has to be. Sure. Stan wouldn't have let that be that maudlin. Like it. You know what I mean? Like he just had to do a thing, and he's like, by the way, money. <laughs> which I thought was really like there was a lot of meta shit happening. There. The mask always fits, and like, oh wow, we don't actually know anything about Stan Lee because he always has a mask on. It's, right. It was a hundred things happening, and it was the first time I felt genuinely sad about Stanley's loss because I didn't have a hard time ex accepting it. Just basically, right. well, he lived a pretty um, full life. Like it yes, wasn't a it wasn't a tragedy. It was a triumph. To uh, paraphrase one of yeah. my meeting, I like. Yeah, I also really enjoyed the the Stanley cameo. And then, did you guys stay for the after credits? I did. I blew it. 
I noticed a lot of nerds were staying there, so I was like, I'll just sit here. I normally stay, but I had a whole thing where I thought I'd lost my keys. That turned into a thing where it consumed my brain, and I had to get out to find them. And I let them That's so Connor. Yeah. I didn't have any nerds to take cues from Josh, because when we got to the theater, we scanned our tickets, which were purchased, you know, through a ticket purchasing website, and the scan scanned fine, but then the guy looked at the schedule, and there was no showing. Uh, <laughs> so somehow I bought tickets to a screening that didn't exist, and it was it was late, you know, it was last night, it was the night before it came out. A manager came out and took a look at everything, and took a look at me, and took a look at Julie, and it was late, and we were tired, and we really just wanted to see this movie so we could go home and I could record with you guys. I was, I was already writing the text to Connor, just being like, <laughs> not happening, sorry. <laughs> um, and the guy just went, Eh, what the hell? Go in the theater. I'll turn it on. Like, <laughs> just really? let us go in, and we got That's a private, private screening, just the two of us in the theater. And wow. he was watching as you were like, "Oh fuck, they're gonna stay through the whole credits, aren't they?" <laughs> these I, I had that moment when the credits started of like, you know, it's late, and I probably should just leave, but there's probably something coming, so I'm not gonna. And the credits, I, I mean, the credits I, I was gonna beautiful, mention that. And the credits actually, the credit sequence was really were, cool was beautiful, yeah, in 3D. Like mm. they're the, th- the credits were still 3D and even the credits worked really well in that mode. Yeah, I liked the design of it. It was really interesting. Again, it's the art design of this film was beautiful and the animation design was beautiful and I, th- I thought it was really well done. Since I didn't see it, I, but I did read about it, why don't you guys explain the, uh, the post-credit sequence? Uh, was, Go ahead, because so I can't remember it. It was <laughs> in the future. The year is 2099. Connor. Yeah, I know. Miguel right, O'Hara right, right, right. is the Spider-Man of 2099 and whoever his tech person is builds him a uh, handheld or wrist-mounted device that will allow him to jump universes per- on purpose instead of an accidental super collider and he jumps to what they call Earth 67 which is the Earth of the Spider-Man animated cartoon from 1967 and then they recreate the meme of Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man hmm. Instead of just being two equally designed, Spider-Man's one is the 2099 Spider-Man, and you know the cops are confused, and J. Jonah Jameson calls him a menace, and it's, yeah. It's a little silly, but they're clearly establishing that the universe is even bigger than what the main movie showed, and, and more hopping is going to occur. I don't know memes, so I don't know that meme, because I'm old. You've seen it, like, you've seen the image, is the point. Maybe. Uh, so, Oscar Isaac voices Miguel O'Hara in that sequence, is what I'm... Reading. Oh, is that what it was? He, yeah. he, I looked. I saw his name in the credits, but it just said it was something innocuous. It said it interesting cool. person or something there like that. Yeah. Yep. Which, I mean, he is. <laughs> true. Always true. Did the animation style look like the 67 cartoon? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I mean, it looked like they almost took a cell from the original animation and then just drew the 2099 costume over one of the Spider-Man in the cell. Hmm. It was that spot on. Wow. They're getting a lot of praise, much deserved for this film. It's already winning awards, right? It's a fun movie. It's not great for the whole family, but it's great for... The, what age do you think, Josh? At what age does this, does this start being good? Uh, I mean, I, I, depending on your kid, there's a couple of scary parts, but it's pretty funny. There's, there's slapsticky stuff in the middle of it, so, you know, five, six, seven, eight, and up. So your second son is just too short. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it depends on the day, but I could see a situation where I bring him into the theater and the Prowler, Prowler stuff starts up and he's like, fuck this. <laughs> but then like all of the stuff with the falling and the, you know, there was, a, there was isn't there a long extended falling sequence like off the building with Miles? Like, oh, when he's getting scraped along the window. Mm-hmm. No, no, that was funny. <laughs> Yeah, oh, like like I laughed out loud several times. Yeah, when he's it's when he's something. first got his powers. Yeah, and then yeah. some of there was there was there was a I don't remember what it was, but there was a comic book joke for us, and I laughed really hard, and no one else did. I don't remember what it was though, but there was a couple of those. There were a, a lot of, of they, level. 
there were a lot of moments where they could have pushed the same joke too far, but they I feel like they held back. Like sometimes when there was a sound effect, it wouldn't be an onomatopoetic sound. It would just be the word of the thing that was happening. So like when Genki and Miles finally, you know, become bros and fist bump, it says best buds instead of <laughs> or whatever. And like when earlier Miles- said dap when uh, he yeah. did it with, with Gwen, which I thought was nice. And when he threw the bagel at the guy and it hit him in the head and it just said bagel. <laughs> Love that. That's what I, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. We should bring in the comic book form to it because when they do that stuff in, in comics, I love it too. Yeah, and you can't do that in uh, live action. I mean, Scott Pilgrim got the closest to sort of doing that. I mean, obviously, Ang Lee tried it with Hulk, but in a very different tonal way. But Scott Pilgrim probably became the closest to trying to emulate the comic book form on screen live action wise batman 66 kind of ruined it for everybody not in its way that it did anything wrong it's just that it, it people it's were scared of it yeah yes but here it worked it worked i loved it i loved this i loved this the sound effects on screen i loved the the way the art looked i loved everything i love that it was like that and it played into you know miles being a guy who's into graffiti art yeah. because you can tweak yeah. that comic book language and make it stylistically look like the graffiti art style language and the two play off each other really nicely. Yeah, it was yeah. great. And Zoe Kravitz was Mary Jane. This is, this is a good cast. You know what you're, you're right is that there's, there are a lot of bits that you could have explored that they didn't really have time to do. Like we didn't really spend much time with Mary Jane. Why no. was she having a press conference? Anyway. Right. <laughs> and Miles, Miles' mom didn't really have anything to do. Yeah, you're right. She just was worried. In fact, their parents didn't really like, she didn't, they didn't have a lot to do with them. At one point, it's funny because at one point he was off with Peter for a really long time, and it's like, aren't his parents freaking out? And it took them a while for them to show us. Well, that. they, I guess theoretically he was supposed to be at school because he was, he's yeah, sl- he sleeps school, at he's yeah. boarding but school. But the school would have called. Yeah, they would have. I'm just that, oh for sure no for sure. Happen. The moment that really made me laugh out loud, but then hit me pretty hard emotionally, was that moment where. Peter finally sees Miles in the new costume, rocking it as Spider-Man, and do it, and then like has to save him or something, or they, they have a moment, and then Peter just goes, "Wait, holy crap! Do I want kids?" And then like it's yanked <laughs> away immediately by something else that's happening in the giant fight. I loved this Peter Parker. I thought he was great. I mean, I love yeah. Tom Holland. I was, like Josh said, he's my favorite on-screen Spider-Man so far. But I loved this version of Peter Parker, and I would love to see a sequel where we really get to drill down the characters a little bit more and have him sort of. You know, continue to mentor Miles from afar and have Miles and Gwen team up. I think that'd be a really great, fun sequel. Mm-hmm. Which they hinted at. Yeah. You know, they. Yeah. So good stuff. I thought this was good. So, Spider Man into the Spider Verse ratings. R- ratings out of five, guys. <sighs> no one going to back me up with the ratings here? Four. Four ratings. Four point. I'm vacillating between a quarter and a half. Okay, four point. Gonna go with four point three five. I'm gonna go with a quarter. Really fun four and a quarter. Ryan, I'm going five. There's nothing about like for any fault you can find. I don't think it overcomes how much of a a wonderful, delightful, interesting, engaging, just all around good time movie this was for me while watching it. And I think it's a movie that I will watch a lot for a long time to come. Ryan, you're a professor. What is the star rating equivalent of a B plus? Star rating equivalent of B plus. Oh, that's hard because we use a four point scale. Well, five so point I scale. Guess, well, no, I'm saying in grading oh. it's a four point scale. So well, one would be a fail, right? <laughs> one D C B A. It's four. It's four and a quarter. That's what it would be. Four, four. It would be four point six eight seven five, Connor. Okay, so I'm going higher than Josh then. 
if that's what you want to do. Four point. You could go four point six one six just to make it be the ultra nerd. By by the way, like I'm not sure that I have a five star superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe Thor Ragnarok. For me, a five star rating means that this is a unique but perfect like as perfect as an exemplar of this type of movie can be and i can't imagine an animated spider-man movie doing better than this so it it gets to set the gold standard everyone's rating is personal everyone's got their own personal i know that's why why my scale is different my scale is the netflix scale loved it really liked it liked it didn't like it hated it i work with that you're you're on a curve ryan i'm gonna do in between liked it and loved it and say four point Come to me. Come to four me. Four or five. Oh. Four point four five. Four point two five. Well, what, hey, that's where I am. Four point two five. You get there. Right. You know the reason we do this, Ryan, is because you're old. No, because some people really hate it when we equivocate in there. <laughs> no, I just meant you gave it a four point two five because you're old. Oh no! Although if the music was more of the Eagles, don't worry. I'll tell you who Post Malone is after we're done recording. I've read Catch the article with- in NPR. I- <laughs> It's not helping your case, Josh. No, I, <laughs> don't ruin the joke in the middle of the joke, man. It was really good. Go see Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse if you're a Spider-Man yep. fan, if you're a comic fan, if you're a movie fan, if you're an animation fan. I mean, even if you're just an animation fan, it's a really wonderful new kind of style. I've never seen this animation style before. I mean, Spider-Man's also like my favorite Marvel superhero. Sure. For me, he's the guy I always want to, to win and have a good... He's product. not like a niche character, Ryan. He's many people's I'm- favorite Marvel superhero. Nobody's. It's but Connor. We're comic book fans. He's my favorite character. I I have ownership over it, and I have to defend him. Maybe Hawkeye will show up in the next one, Josh. Not like this. Well, I mean, that's my five. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my five star movie. Is the non-existent Hawkeye Clint Barton movie that Jeremy Renner has nothing to do with. Right. Who knows? I don't know what the animation rights are like, but you know, maybe he shows up in the next one. You never know. Maybe. Anything's possible. The world is your oyster. Go to ifanboy.com. You can find the post in the show. You can tell us what you thought of Spider-Man and the Spider Verse. And you can check out very soon. We'll have our all-media year-end roundup. It comes out soon after this show. You can hear me and Josh and Ron Richards talk about what we liked in media for the year for over three hours. And then next week, we'll have the Aquaman review. And so you can look forward to that. So if you're annoyed about me handing out five stars, don't worry. (laughs) I don't anticipate it will last for long. We'll be back with the Pick of the Week show in January. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Soy Ryan, or Soy Ryan. I guess I'm permanently Ryan. Soy Ryan. You're a sunflower. I think your love would be too much. Or you'll be left in the dust. Unless I stuck by you. are a sunflower. You're a sunflower. Get on the ceiling! Spider pig, spider pig, does whatever a spider pig does. Can he swing from a web? No, he can't. He's a pig. Look out, he is a spider pig.